Welcome to Janet Today, Janet Tomorrow, Janet Forever, the Janet Jackson podcast where two cousins discuss all things Janet Jackson. Today, we are going to talk about Janet Jackson's feedback. Well, actually, we talked about feedback in 2020. Right. In November 2020, to be exact. How did we forget about this episode? 2020 was a lot. <laughs> 21 too. <laughs> Anyways, we're going to present this episode in full. It's certainly dated, but hopefully you can still enjoy it. Before we do that, we got two things we got to talk about. Actually, there's a lot we could talk about, but we want to say that for after the documentary um, that drops January 28, 2022 on Lifetime and a That was my way of plugging the documentary, by the way. Yes, yes, yes. We got to I do need, our part. Yeah, I, I might need to work on that a little bit more. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not hiring you for voiceovers, but you know, it's, it's, it can happen. <laughs> hey. Anything's possible. I believe in you. Uh, speaking of Lifetime, Annie, you know I love Christmas movies. And, you know, I traveled to Ghana in December. So I recorded all of the movies that I was going to miss while I was traveling. Mm-hmm. So I recorded every Christmas movie on Lifetime. DVR is just full of them. <laughs> so I'm still catching up. And I don't care that it's the third week of January. Uh, but I am loving the way that Lifetime, um, every commercial break is a commercial for that Janet documentary. Now, I do wish that maybe there was a second (laughs) commercial for a little variety, but I'm loving that they are really promoting the documentary on Lifetime. Well, that's one thing I will say about Lifetime. They will remind you that they dropping something pretty soon. They will. (laughs) And I do love the fact that they did an extended trailer, which is three minutes and 23 seconds. (laughs) And I've watched it numerous times. And it really is a good build up to the documentary, more extended clips, kind of a sneak peek of what we're going to see on this two night event. So I really want to give Lifetime their props for spinning that trailer as much as they can, baby. <laughs> for real, for real. I really thought that that longer trailer, the three minute one was really good. Yeah. The short one's good, too. Um, but let me tell you, I have seen it. When I say every commercial break and sometimes twice, sometimes yeah twice during a commercial break they will show the janet jackson trailer and i'm for it you know i love my girl but yes. I, I i have started fast forwarding through them <laughs> no 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 you can't do it it had to be done <laughs> lifetime trying to let y'all know you better be glued to them tv sets <laughs> i could recite it i was like it's time to move on <laughs> okay you got me beat i can't recite it i just know the pictures and the movements and what's coming up <laughs> all right all right i know we want to talk about this promo that's been going on for the documentary outside of lifetime so we have the allure mm-hmm. i think in december we got that video it's like mm-hmm. a 12 minute video mm-hmm. um, of janet talking about the behind the scenes and just giving some extra information on some of her most classic music videos mm-hmm. and there was some new information in there you know a lot of times i think as fans it's hard to get new information out of janet in particular she mm-hmm. she tells us She's consistent. She tells us the same stories over and over and over. And if you've been a fan for a long time, you've heard most of them. Um, But we actually got some new little nuggets. So if you haven't had the opportunity to see that video, I would encourage you to go find that um, put out by Lord sometime in December. Um, And it's a a good watch. Yes, it is. It's just funny to see Janet sitting in the chair like, oh, yeah, on this video, I remember we did this, we did that. So it's just her really being casually talking about the video. So I, I was like, yeah, this is so another way to get us hyped about the document. Yeah, this is what we want. Yeah. Allure is doing a fabulous job. You know, Janet's on the cover Ooh. of the February 2022 edition. Ooh, and I got to say it one more time. Ooh. Yes, all the woos, all the woos. Because this is all, it's so funny because like it's a, such a simple thing, but we're all so excited because one is super well done, I think, in my opinion, I think it's super well done. Mm-hmm. And um, I thought the author was tremendous. Yeah, uh, Robin Given. I think I'm pronouncing her name correctly. G I V H A N. Yes. What were some of your favorite parts? Well, let me just say this now, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. But the last article, the last article I remember was Janet, you know, working with a magazine was Essence around time with headlining the festival. Correct? I, may- I think so. I, th- yeah. I, I think you're correct. And so when I saw this, I was like, mm, okay, let's see what we got. But when I said I could not, 
find a fault with this, y'all don't forget now Janet has paved the way for a lot of people and for a lot of you know other pop superstars and superstars for sure. in general. And one thing that made me say, man, I never thought about that was when she talked about, you know, Rhythm Nation and how Janet didn't show no skin on Rhythm Nation, yet, you know, paving the way for other people like um, she used Billy English as an example. And I'm like, hey, I never thought about that like that. Did you say Billy Eilish? English? I thought I said English. I thought it was Billy Eilish. Oh, my bad. Now, mind you, I can't name any of her songs, but I have heard her name, so... <laughs> When I'm a little tipsy, I drink to her. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, she's my new generation of Lannis Morissette. So, okay. yeah. I can see that. But I just did think, like, wow, didn't did it pay the way for, you know, those for those superstars? But, yeah, I just really couldn't find any thoughts with the article. I love the, the photos. Janet just looked gorgeous. Like, oh, yes. Avant-garde. And I really enjoyed the fact that I don't want to say she took some risk because I feel like Janet Jackson has always taken risk, but she mm-hmm. definitely took some fashion risks. Um, in this photo session, you know, she's got the new hair and the jewelry. There was so much jewelry. She had the lip ring mm-hmm. and the cool shoes. And I just thought overall it was a really good look. And the title. The title. Ooh, it just says Janet. Long may she reign. Yes. What more can you say after that? Yes. <laughs> and I think if you look at uh, the online edition on Allure, it says Janet still in control. I was like, y'all doing it over here. I want y'all to write all the leads, all the headlines for everything all the time. Look, send all your people to follow her <laughs> for the whole Black Diamond era. They need to be the only ones covering you. Yes. To echo what you said, I that was one thing that struck me when she talked. You know, we always think about her paving the way for body positivity and sharing your body and being free. And we kind of think that's the only way that women can be free. It's like you can take control of your body by showing it anytime you want. But you can also take control of your body by not showing it. And so that was kind of the point that the author was making um, with Billie Eilish and some of these other pop stars who don't, you know, show any skin, which used to be at a time that it was kind of a prerequisite to kind of make some noise and mm-hmm. be super sexy and all of these things. And just like when Janet did it, like it was kind of expected and she did not. She was like, I'm putting on all the clothes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she, she She's like, I've never been a girly girl. Like, right. <laughs> I'm going to rock this suit and tie if I want to. Right. Suspenders, <laughs> hat, gloves. I'm wearing all the clothes. So. I got all Michael hand-me-downs. <laughs> <laughs> right. So I had never really thought about that. But she, you know, so we think about her paving the way for like just taking control of your body. But she did it in a way that we um, hadn't considered with the Rhythm Nation era. So that was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um there, there was some more discussion about Super Bowl, which which we'll see how much more we get in the documentary. Mm-hmm. But Janet basically said she's a part of this conversation, whether she wants to be or not. Right. Um, and so I, I appreciated that um, and that she's kind of taking ownership of saying, you know, maybe it's time for me to address it rather than have other people address it. So yes. wondering how much will happen in the documentary. I, I really wasn't expecting much around that topic. And now I'm like, oh, interesting. Okay. Well, so... And I want to just say this, you know what, when I read that part of the article, I was saying to myself, that to me was kind of saying, you know what, no matter what I do, and no matter how silent I stay on this, whenever anybody mentions the Super Bowl, they're going to mention Janet. So there's no way she can escape it. So she might as well just take ownership of it. And Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I do like the fact that she kind of made the connection, like she is aware of the mm-hmm. impact that that moment had on society and also how things have changed. Um, But another kudos again for Miss Robin, because there was discussion about Lizzo. And I think, you know, Janet made the comment, you know, women have gotten comfortable in their skin, in their Mm -hmm. size and being full figured. And I love that as opposed to back in the day, you had to always be thin and always look a certain way. And now it's all accepted and it's all beautiful. And I absolutely love that. Mm -hmm. Um, And then Compared to what Janet Jackson went through with, you know, every time she gained an ounce or lost an ounce, there was so much scrutiny on her body. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure it feels like we've come a long way, but I do appreciate that the author really just did not let it slide. She was like, Janet Jackson is blissfully unaware that this stance has brought Lizzo delays and ruthless criticism. Yeah. Um, so, you know, the body positivity ha- has come a long way. I do think so, but there's still so 
far to go. Yeah. That, you know, it's very confusing to me why I would have an opinion on anyone else's body. I think it's because we are, social media now gives everybody an opportunity to voice their opinion on you. And sometimes it's not, not nice. Yeah, a lot of times it's not nice. Yeah. But I just don't understand, like, if you are tall, fat, short, skinny, mm-hmm. to me, that is 100% your business. That is not my business. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that is 100% your business. So I really just cannot understand all, all the criticism that not just women, men too, mm-hmm. face yeah. about their bodies. Like, I just, I really can't understand it, especially when it's cloaked in this guise of like, we just want you to be healthy. Okay, well, let me see you keep up with Lizzo, because <laughs> I believe Lizzo can outwork, outrun, outhustle, outsing, outdance all of you. Wow. So, <laughs> yes. But another thing that I was very happy that she addressed was aging. Yeah. Another one that kind of gets under my skin. We only connect beauty to youth Mm -hmm. and whenever a black woman in particular is Mm -hmm. particularly gorgeous later in life you know we 65 where 73 where yes right there (laughs) I mean she earned all of those 73 years and she's still gorgeous and let's let that be okay Mm -hmm. and so I loved what she had to say about that and I also love you know she said everyone would always want to stay young and this Mm -hmm. and that but it's inevitable Mm -hmm. and I mean we're all going to get there (laughs) Yeah. Um, but also she gave the Jan fam a lot of credit and I hope we take heed and I, I believe it to be true. You know, she says she's very fortunate. She has a very loyal and loving fan base and they mm-hmm. will accept me for who I am. And so mm-hmm. in that passage, she was specifically talking about like as she continues to age, mm-hmm. but also as her music continues to evolve that, mm-hmm. you know, the fans would not desert her. And I, tr- I absolutely, I believe that to be true. Yeah. We ain't going nowhere. <laughs> Yeah. And she is right, though. But I would love to see Janet like 70 years old, you know, with the braids in her hair and just, you know, let, let the gray hair go and just be, you know what I'm saying? Because how you avoid age, you know, like eventually you, your body's got to go through those changes <laughs> and it's a blessing to get old. I'm be honest. It's a blessing. <laughs> it beats the alternative, mm-hmm. well, mostly. Yeah. You, know? <laughs> you haven't learned anything was... by COVID and this pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. So I, like you just mentioned the gray hair. I wonder if we'll ever see a gray Janet, but that would be something like I to see some braids, yeah. you know? Yeah. yeah. Like, so what are you looking forward to in the documentary? Uh, honestly, uh, raw, no filters, no watching the words, just throw it out there. Say what's on your mind. And you know, she's going to say what she, what's on your heart, which Janet is hardest, almost like gold. I know it's not, but I'm just saying so I just want her to be herself and just tell us what's really going on with you. Yeah. So what what about you? What are you looking forward to? In this? I am excited mainly about, well, two things, mainly about the new footage. I feel mm-hmm. like at heart, Janet is a documentarian. Mm-hmm. I mean, just look at how she kept and, and cataloged her outfits and her belongings yeah. for the auction. Yeah. Right. So I'm just trying to imagine like all the footage she probably has collected and that she might share like one percent of with us during this documentary. So I'm excited about new videos, new clips and just seeing a new side of her. Mm-hmm. And the thing that excites me most, like that absolutely thrills me the most is it's such a blessing to get to tell your own story. Yeah. I'm just elated that she is here with us and no one is telling her story for her. Mm-hmm. Certainly there'll be other documentaries, I'm sure. Somebody's making one now. But I think it's so important. And that's not a bad thing. I mean, there'll be others. Yeah. But I think it's just so important as a Black woman, anybody really, but mm-hmm. as a Black woman to be able to tell your own story. Yeah. And so I, I think it's a blessing that we get to witness it mm-hmm. from her own lips. Mm-hmm. And so whatever it is, I'll be excited about it. I'm looking forward to it. I've been so crazy busy that I haven't really had a chance to like sit with it and think about it. But like, this is major, like Mm -hmm. a four hour documentary that appears to have been many years, at least five years in the making. Mm -hmm. I don't see how it could go wrong. (laughs) Like (laughs) anything could go wrong, but I just, I feel like this is a win. This is a win. Yeah. Because she's the executive producer of this, if I'm not mistaken, right? 
Everything, yeah. yeah. So when you're in charge, you're the boss, you can tell it how you want to tell it. You know, the other thing that strikes me as funny too is like in the commercials when I think on that longer trailing where they're like, "Why did you decide to do a documentary?" and she's she just sounded so exasperated. She just said, "It just seemed like something that needed to be done." Yes. <laughs> yes. Plus, you don't want nobody telling your story because when Hollywood gets host to your footage, <laughs> yeah, they can make that mean anything. It can. Yes. So I. You know, I feel like it is important that for years, especially around the Super Bowl, she did let other people tell her story. And mm-hmm. I could understand why. I can't imagine being publicly humiliated like that and then being asked to talk about it over and over and over again. But there's so much power in your own story to yeah. tell your own story. Her story. <laughs> yeah. It's super important to have her perspective um, on her life's events and her life's experiences. Mm-hmm. Again, excited and grateful that's what i am right now yeah also i learned uh, through this article that i have something in common with janet Uh oh what is this we both love to drive to clear our heads okay (laughs) okay well i i already knew i had something in common with janet and that is i wear the same outfit all the time (laughs) and i like that 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 robin was like she showed up to the restaurant still wearing the outfit from earlier today, this time with a coat. <laughs> what she call it? At the curl or something. I was like, this leisure. Got, leisure. Like, this leisure. Got, like, yes, she was wearing sweatpants. <laughs> joggers. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess we should get to this episode that neither of us remembers. <laughs> you know what? I don't even know who to blame for us losing this episode. I'll take the blame. Since I'm the younger cousin, <laughs> it's just funny to go. Where is that? I don't know. I thought we recorded it. <laughs> you guys? Well, you know, I'm glad that you like insisted that we continue to look because I had no recollection <laughs> of this at all, and still don't. I listened to it, and I was like, I said these things. Yes, you did. <laughs> <laughs> and even I remember it being so funny. Because I had some good points. <laughs> Yo, well, you found it. I'm excited. And we're going to present it in its entirety. So it is going to have its own intro and everything. So <laughs> here we go. Welcome to Janet Today, Janet Tomorrow, Janet Forever, the Janet Jackson podcast where two cousins discuss all things Janet Jackson. Today, we are going to talk about Janet Jackson's feedback, feedback. Couldn't wait, huh? <laughs> my name is Courtney, and I'm here with my cousin. Cousin Cam, and no, I couldn't wait. It's about time we get to the feedback. Yo, I'm excited for you. Come on, sing it with me. Light skin, dark skin, my age. Okay, let's stop before we have to pay Janet. And I ain't got no money. <laughs> but I love this song, guys. I really do love this track. Listen, I got to ask you something. I've been on the internet, as I am wont to do, and uh, there has been so much discussion about eras, right? I was like, I have a question. In your mind, is an era just an album or are they different? I ask this because. A lot of time we think about Janet in terms of eras because sis would go away for three years and come back a new creature and it would be like a whole new thing. But I see eras just discussed as like, you know, people talk about Destiny's Child, writings on the wall era, Brandy's Never Say Never, yeah, the full moon era. And I'm like, were those eras or were those albums? Honestly, when it comes to Janet, you're right. I think of eras because she usually gives us what four years she dips. <laughs> she, her, yeah. Michael, her and Michael are known for I'm gonna give you some material, tour off of it, promote it two years, then I'm gonna dip for two years, then I'm gonna come back and reinvent myself and give you some more stuff. So Janet to me gets that title. Everybody else gets an album. Or <laughs> and the reason why I say that is because other than Janet and Michael, not too many people have have a collection to where you can say era. I mean, maybe a Beyonce, maybe Stevie Wonder, but everybody else, Confessions album came out. <laughs> you know, I mean, <laughs> everything else is just your, that's when your CD dropped. 
<laughs> yeah, that's how I always felt about it. I'm just seeing so much more discussion about eras now. And I was just like, maybe I have, you know, the meanings of things change. So I was just like, maybe I have misinterpreted it all of this time. But to me, I think it just felt like an era because one, like Janet Jackson clearly closed a chapter, like with each album, it was like the mm -hmm. end of a thing and the beginning of this other thing. And they were all very different. Mm -hmm. And so it's like some artists who like churn out albums back to back mm -hmm. and it doesn't feel like anything ever ended. It just goes from one thing right into the next. You know what I'm saying? Right. And that's not a bad thing. So to, I know a lot of people who wish Janet Jackson would do that, but we know that's not going to happen. Oh, no. Um, <laughs> uh, but that's not a bad thing. But it's just like, what's a Drake era? Right. Like, dude, have <laughs> he have 40 songs released at once. Like. How do you how do you define the era? Yeah, see, it would be hard for him to have an era because he had so much material dropped off in that in that span. And then you got to think though, like I'm gonna be honest, and people might get mad, but like from 2000 and I want to say 2005 to like 2009, I don't know what era we were in because music was just unless you Janet, Michael, and Stevie, maybe Madonna. You don't get that. You don't get that prestige with me. Yeah. To me, it just feels like it, it should be a like a redefinition or a, a recreation because they were distinct, not necessarily just like by timeline or by album, but they were just like distinct mm -hmm. periods in where that felt very different from the previous one and very different from the one that would follow. Mm -hmm. And I just don't know that artists are doing that these days. Right. Like, you know, aside from, like you said, like maybe a Beyonce. Mm -hmm. um but i don't feel like people are reinventing themselves time and time and again. i'll tell you what contributes to that is these sh crazy record deals and streams now a lot of artists are now saying realizing if i can just get it on a streaming platform and get a video made on the budget put it on youtube i can still make as much money as I would having a full-fledged record label because the yeah. whole demographics and the concept of record labels has changed. So now you could put out an album every once a week <laughs> and it's nobody blinks an eye. Whereas when Master P was dropping CDs every two CDs a month, <laughs> I was like, dude, my allowance ain't that much, dude. <laughs> Listen, you sh Master P should have had a subscription service. No limit <laughs> was coming out with something monthly. And I he should have had a subscription. <laughs> BMG Music Club. <laughs> <laughs> so we talked about eras in general. Now let's talk about a very specific era. Feedback, feedback. <laughs> feedback was written and produced by Rodney, Darkchild, Jerkins, and D-Mal, uh, with additional writing from Taslim Yazin and the late LaShawn Daniels. Rest in peace. We lost him last year um, to a uh, car accident. Love this track. I was kind of surprised that you were like, mm, it's feedback, but I love it. Should have painted like that, okay? Because <laughs> that's how you see it. I mean, I like this song and I have liked it more over time, but I think that just where I was in my life when Discipline dropped and it's everything that was happening around Discipline as well. Like, I definitely wasn't as in tune with Discipline as I was with all of the other releases. Like every release up until then were the ones I was old enough for. I had, you know, gone to the record store on the day that it dropped and all of that stuff. And I don't remember how I got Discipline. I feel like maybe I did, but I don't remember. And I certainly don't remember listening to it nonstop like I did the other albums. So I guess what I'm saying is I have grown to appreciate feedback, but I, I have I am definitely second place in terms of how you feel right. about and feedback. It's kind of funny that you say you don't know how <laughs> you ended up in there. But <laughs> feedback was leaked on December the 12th, 2007 by Z100 and was later released that day. So even the, even the record label was like, we're not ready to drop this. <laughs> they were planning to drop it first of, uh, in January 2008. Mm -hmm. But you know how it is when a single leap. Yeah. And for the younger generation, when a single leap, that means somebody had to record it or somebody got their hands on it and just dropped it unannounced. Yeah, because I mean, this feels like this was like Napster yeah. days, right? Like this is back when 
you know, it wasn't as much. I'm not even gonna call it streaming. It wasn't streaming. Like you yeah, could download a still song. in my illegal days. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So, so like somebody like in theory had to make like a physical copy <laughs> and smuggle it <laughs> to the radio station for it to leak. You know, I don't remember a whole lot, but like this was during the transition album and the first single from her first album on Island Def Jam. Yes. And she was still really dealing with the backlash from 2004. So that had ended poorly with, you know, Super Bowl or whatever. And this was really kind of her first welcome back that they were trying to orchestrate. And so like just having your timeline and having your song leak really does impact your timeline as far as like how you've set up your promotions and your marketing. And like if you're doing TV appearances and all of these things, like all of that's really impacted when you put like your heart and soul into building this thing. And then like somebody who was at the studio or who knew somebody at the studio or whatever puts an end to all that and you know you you driving around and you hear your own song on the radio like how did they get that we only have video <laughs> <laughs> but that's why you see some of your favorite artists say take the hard drive out <laughs> where my laptop right <laughs> i'm just put this whole computer in my car i'll bring it back tomorrow <laughs> yes that's that's why because <laughs> Somebody will leak it to the radio station and this thing you know, you riding the car going, yeah. But this was her introduction. You were right. This is was her introduction into her Island Def Jam debut. And feedback, it does have this electro pop and R&B twist with slight elements of Euro dance and hip hop. So it was like a gumbo, as we say in the South. And I think that's one of the reasons why I liked it because it has this beat to it. it. The beat, the drums drive this track. And I always say, if I can sing your song without having to watch the video, to me, it's a hit. And that's one of the things about this track is I don't need the video to love the song. Well, you know, I think, um, you know, you talked about kind of having a kind of like a Euro dance kind of techno feel. And I think I'm trying to remember like what was on the radio in 2008. Wow. Now you go see you testing my memory, but it was like you got Usher Love in this club. Uh, my girl who I felt like should have got more prop Estelle. She had American boy. Flo Rida was hot. See, <laughs> I was wasn't in jail, but he was about to go jail with whatever you like. And Katy Perry was really burning up the charts with hot and cold and I kissed a girl. Yeah. And so like when you the songs that you're naming, I'm thinking to myself, like there wasn't anything really like it on the radio. Yeah. So it wasn't any songs like that. Like I said, my appreciation for this song has grown. And I just think that if it were released today, mm -hmm. like it could be released today, it would fit right in. And there wouldn't be very many songs like it. Like if she had a song like this on this alleged Black Diamond mm -hmm. album, this would bang. Like she could really do some numbers with it. Like I feel like this song is is timeless, but I also have like I feel like this song too could easily, you know, mm -hmm. I think why this song didn't stick to my ribs is because it felt like it was a song that could be someone else's. Like it could be a Britney Spears song. It could be a Christina Aguilera song. It could be a Sierra song. And so those types of Janet Jackson songs don't tend to stick to my ribs. My appreciation for it has grown. It's just because like at the time she was doing it and the lyrics. Oh yeah, the lyrics are popping. <laughs> those were distinctly Janet. And I think if I look at it like in the time as a, as a product of its time, it was a product ahead of its time. I see where you're going. I think that's why I like this song. I always liked it, this song. When this song first dropped, I felt like Dark Child did a great job where it didn't sound like she was trying to fit in with the Katy Perry's and everybody else who's mm -hmm. hot. But mm -hmm. he still gave her a little bit of, uh, sprinkled a little bit of the formula because like the lyrics you say, like that line where she's, my swag is serious, heavy, like the first day period. Like, that was like I was like, dang, Janet, we gonna go that hard? We ain't gonna right? <laughs> you know what? That was different, and that was to me that is what made this era a little more distinctive because Janet, although there had been confidence and sexuality, there hadn't really been. She wasn't braggadocious, right? And this to me was the first song that I could remember where she had like that, literally, the swag. Mm -hmm. And so that was the other part too that it just felt different. I don't think this is a song Jimmy and Terry could write. Right. And this is not a song that she would have written 
with this. But I think she needed around this time, she needed to put that out there because she had, she, sometimes you just got to remind folks. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And plus, I think the attitude, when anytime Janet and you, anytime Janet gives me attitude in her songs, she sucks and draws me in. If Janet singing and oh, everything is nice in the song, I'm like, yeah, I like that jam. But when Janet's like, you know, let me tell you about, let me tell you a little something, something, check my resume, let me give you this and that. And it's, I can feel it. She, she draws me in and she got me and I'm just like, okay, this is my jam. I, I, it's just a pattern that I have with her. What the mm-hmm. song is about, <laughs> it's kind of like a dominated song to me, like, you need to strum mm-hmm. me like a guitar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Blow mm-hmm. out my amplifier. <laughs> mm-hmm. When you hear some feedback, mm-hmm. keep going and take it high. Give it to me, come on. Crank it up. Crank it, give it up. Me, come give on. it to me. <laughs> so in my translation, let me give you Cousin Cam translation. If you're going to do it, you better do it well. Because if not, you're wasting my time. That's the truth. <laughs> That's the truth. Listen, I... I love this song because it's so funny. A lot of younger, not young, but younger Janet Jackson fans mm-hmm. came to Janet during the Island Def Jam period. Yes. And this was their first introduction to her. And they're like, you know, our first introduction was like, what have you done for me lately? Mm-hmm. When we were like, I don't know, seven or so, six, seven, eight. And they're like six, seven or eight. Mm-hmm listening to feedback and just jamming and singing along and don't have no idea. <laughs> they just want some feedback, feedback. <laughs> just jamming. They don't have no idea. Look. So essentially, like, you know, the, if, if the lyrics aren't enough, like, you know, basically the song is talking about how a woman wants to be pleased um, and how she will let you know if you're doing it right. Basically, you need to keep going until you make me moan. Mm-hmm. And I appreciate that, that she just, you know, that she always just says what what it mm-hmm. is. And I appreciate, too, because you know how sometimes I'm, I'm always talking about how, like, songs, Janet Jackson songs are nasty, <laughs> but they nice. Yeah. And, and music now is just nasty. And, never. and I'm mm-hmm. like, this is, I don't know how this sexy to y'all. This is not sexy. <laughs> But this feedback, <laughs> right, 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 right. This right here, this is what you need to be trying to go for. This is what you need to strive for. Uh, yeah, like, you know, give me some good old SWV downtown, right? Like strive for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, make my love come down. Mm-hmm. Strive for that. Mm-hmm. This stuff you're singing now, it's not creative as you think it is. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. <laughs> Because when I heard, I'm, and I know this is not a Janet song, but when I first heard WAP, <laughs> I was like, this is nothing. <laughs> the, the sample that they took the song from is bold. <laughs> it's bolder than it. <laughs> Yes. So, in other words, Janet say, if she ain't giving you no feedback, <laughs> let somebody else have a turn. Reevaluate. <laughs> right. What your GPS say? Recalculate. <laughs> yes. <laughs> your navigation has gone awry. Yeah. That's why when uh in September 2019, when people are like, we need some justice for feedback, I was like, I'm ready. <laughs> I'm ready. This was this was the jam. And I'm still puzzled on why this song didn't didn't hit like it's supposed to hit. Everything, like the video, for instance, the video was popping. It was different. It wasn't a whole, I mean, Janet was dancing. It was futuristic. <laughs> and I'm just like, y'all don't love this feedback. <laughs> Please love feedback. I'm laughing because this video, it debuted on January 7th, which I think was the day that they expected to release the single. But I'm laughing because it debuted on Yahoo Music. It's some little kid going, what is Yahoo Music? What is Yahoo Music? <laughs> but back in the day, that was our YouTube before we really knew what YouTube was really supposed to, was going to blow up with the ads. That's you. <laughs> YouTube didn't have ads yes. at the time. <laughs> We're old. <laughs> um, but I think part of that, too, was, you know, we have to remember that there was still 
this blacklisting that kind of prevented her from going a traditional route. Mm -hmm. At this time, really, it was only BET properties that were really, really doing promo for this album that and that would play the video. So it came on all the, the BET shows. But that's all I can really remember. But I think I know for I know she did a, a little thing on TRL. She went on TRL. Yeah. You're mm-hmm. right. Yep, yep, she did. She did. So I take that back. So she did a couple of outlets. I mean, she do, did her normal, you know, promotion. It's just for some reason, I just, it just didn't pop off like it was supposed to. Uh, yeah. But back to the video. You're right. It it did um, premiere on January 7, 2008 on Yahoo Music. Directed by Sam Fairman. And choreography was done by Gil. Uh, was filmed over two days in December 2007 on a sound stage located in New York City. And like I said, it did have this futuristic concept. He just took Janet's vision and came up with this concept. Can I just say, I, well, I, I was going to say one thing, but I actually have two things to say. I'm going to confess something that's going to make you angry. You can't make me angry. I mean, I'm counting votes in Nevada. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Um, so I probably have seen this video in its entirety twice. Um, I'm not surprised. <laughs> I did watch it for this conversation because I didn't want you to be all like, and you don't even know. So I did watch it. And I, I have two observations. First observation was there was a point in this video. So I, like my memory of this video was really just like her dancing in the cereal bowl that kind of was <laughs> to resemble ejaculate and orgasm um that's all i could remember from my couple times watching okay um and then there was something with a balls at the end i remember that like she was like juggling or something oh my god but what i saw i don't describe it as horribly but i'm doing the best i can Mm -hmm. what what stood out to me when i watched it recently i was like this had aside from like the pure raunch of it so they talk about like how this was janet's vision and like he basically I'm guessing she downloaded this fever dream to him (laughs) and he tried to make it a reality but there's a point in there where it is very much just can you feel it I knew it (laughs) (laughs) I knew you was finna take me there it's very much I was waiting on her to sprinkle some gold dust on some little children I'm finna end this podcast right now (laughs) because there's nothing about this video that says can you feel it how did you know I was gonna take you there then? Because <laughs> you saw it. You knew for yours, you knew oh, in your heart. heart. <laughs> yes, in your heart, that there is that part like where she gets ready to jump from the one planet to another planet. I don't know what's going on <laughs> in this video, but like <laughs> she was getting ready to leap off something and she had on the all black and it was like dusty. So maybe it was the moon. I don't know. <laughs> Anyways, when she leaps. And she's almost like parallel. Then the gold stripe, like this mm-hmm. glow comes on her body. So if it wasn't Can You Feel It, then she was doing Bruce Leroy. <laughs> I saw that gold somewhere before. I want to hit you. I want to hit you so bad. That is all I had to say about that. First of all, she's jumping from one moon to another. That's basically what I said. The gold stuff is from her moving. Because when you land on the moon, that flies up. The, the rationale for the gold aesthetic, what I'm saying is what my eyeballs perceived was can you feel it? So you was, you was waiting on Marlon and, and Tito to point down and Seriously. just throw the... the okay, Seriously. I'm going to let you have your moment. The video is fine. I will say I do want to give Gil his prop. And this choreography really has aged well. It still looks really mm-hmm. good. The reason I really want to give Gil his props is because the video never drew me. And I don't want to say it's not a good video because it is a good video. And I think, wasn't it something like the third most expensive video of 2008 yes. or something ridiculous yes. like that? Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't want to say it's not a good video because it is a, it's a very good video. And I think it made a lasting impression on people who watched it. So I, so I want to say that. But what really like when I think about performances for this song, I don't think about the video at all. I think about like when she did the morning show, did she go on like Good Morning mm-hmm. America or something? I think that was like that's one of my favorite Janet Jackson performances. And it's definitely my favorite performance of feedback. Um, and I think she did like an award show mm-hmm. where she did feedback as well, like that routine traveled like that choreography traveled and it looked yes. good on every stage yes. with every outfit with every wig 
It mm-hmm. looked good. And an interesting fact, her dancers were all male. I believe she said in uh, behind the scenes of um, of this video, making this video, that was the first time she had all male dancers since like nasty. Yeah, I completely. So, and you're right. It does translate from the video to the stage. Good Morning America is the best performance live version of this song. And she kills it. The routine is crisp. It mm-hmm. pops. Janet was bringing it. I still am puzzled. But unlike you, what I remember from the video was the fact that the purple liquid forming the word Janet, this liquid, (laughs) and her. I want to just say this. That was very much a throwback to screen. But what I remember is Janet and that long ponytail and wearing that bodysuit. That bodysuit was talking. Miss Jackson was talking. Yeah, the cactus was on. The cactus was on point. But she could barely walk. <laughs> <laughs> she got the job done. She got the job done. Think about that ponytail too, because I remember when she wore that ponytail too, was it Billboard Awards? Yeah. It was some award show where she wore the, the long tutu. Yeah. And everybody was like, oh, look at her rocking the Ariana Grande ponytail. And I was like, I remember this ponytail from feedback. <laughs> yeah, you know, sister's been rocking a ponytail for a minute. We can take it back. Yes, that high ponytail. And she's been doing it. You can't get over the fact that you talk about Can you feel it? <laughs> I'm sorry. Because now the beat is bumping in my head. Doom, doom, mm-hmm. doom, doom, doom. Okay, so... <laughs> Okay, talk about this remix. Wasn't there, wasn't there a remix or something? With Sierra and Busta Bus. Busta Rhymes and Fabuloso. You gotta say Busta Bus. Busta Bus. Busta Bus. <laughs> time out, though. Time out before we go any further. I wanna talk about there are two people on that remix that definitely relate um, to me in a different way. So I used to really love Fabulous, and then I just discovered he was a piece of trash, and I can't even hear his music the same anymore. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, but I don't wanna spend any time there. But Busta Rhymes, mm. and you know, I don't know if you heard the song that he just put out. Well, the whole album, but the one I think it's called "Look Over Your Shoulder," oh. and it has the same from Michael Jackson. Well, from the Jackson Five. I'll be there. Have you had a chance to? Hear I it? hadn't had a chance to listen to it because I've been listening to a couple other tracks that he has, and I hadn't gotten to that one. I'm gonna have to stream it, just streaming and watch, listening. Yeah, you gotta go directly to it. I want to say two things. One, I'm just so happy that Busta Rhymes. And to me, it don't matter what era. You drop Trevor Smith in, mm-hmm. he dominates. Mm-hmm. He's like Janet Jackson on a on a background, right? Like she, she's going to take it from you. Mm-hmm. That's how I feel about him on any track, like any track where Busta Rhymes shows up or Dana, because mm-hmm. you know Queen Latifah when she show up, she gonna take your stuff too. Yeah. Any track where Busta Rhymes show up, he just takes it. And I say that to say because I think it's generally regarded that like Kendrick Lamar is one of the best rappers we have. I mean. I even bought vinyl of Kendrick Lamar because it won a Pulitzer Prize. Mm-hmm. I think it's safe to say, like, he is the man right now. And he's on that track with Buster Rhymes. And all I'm going to say is, I'm glad he went first. <laughs> <laughs> you say you glad he went first? I'm glad he went first. Because it was perfectly fine. Like, it was perfectly boppable. But then when Buster showed up, you were like, oh, jeez. <laughs> It just went to another level. But you know, Buster did that with a scenario. He did that on Tribe album. But my favorite, my favorite Buster takeover is on the, is he the most deaf or Black Star? I think it's most deaf's album where he hit most deaf with two hottest Negroes in Los Estados Unidos. (laughs) (laughs) And Buster's voice and his tone and his delivery is so distinct. The urgency, the way he could go super fast and then slow it down and. I will say though, so I just want to set your expectations. The the sample is beautiful and it's beautifully integrated and it's a great track, but you're like, what do this have to do with the song? <laughs> so there is a little bit of that, but you don't care because it sounds good. Hey, we never you put a little mic on it. Uh uh-huh, as long as they don't. Yeah, it sounds it sounds it sounds amazing. So honestly, I only listened to that track. Like I haven't gone back listened to anything else because I was like, can't be nothing better than this. <laughs> but there's only been one bad sample of Michael. And it was a Drake song. I can't think of the name of the song. I know the song. Sp- and it, yeah, it was bad. Yeah, it spooked me. I was like, what am I, what am I listening to? And yeah, I'm going to definitely check that out. But yeah, bust the bus, as I like to call them. One thing about this remix, though, I do have to say, they could have left Sierra off. 
I think that Sierra's purpose was to kind of unite the generations because Janet and Busta are from the same generation mm-hmm. um, and Fabulous is not far behind. So I think that mm-hmm. Sierra was there to be like the young spice. I adore yeah. Sierra. Oh, yeah, I do. I bought like the first three CDs. <laughs> You can't, every time she posts on Instagram, I'm just like, yes, baby, yes, you and Russell, yes, the babies. Listen, I love them. I want them to be well and be merry and just keep making little brown happy babies. Brown happy babies. <laughs> this, is, this is going totally different than what I thought. Yeah. So back, back to, to the song. Be back, be back. She also hit up Ellen DeGeneres. I'm finna say my girl, but I'm still waiting because she's on Mm-mm, probation. No. <laughs> Don't hit erase that. <laughs> and MTV, she about to be in the not one dime. <laughs> not one <laughs> Not one pinty. <laughs> not one pinty. <sighs> See how fast you can get counseled in this, in this world? And no, it take one good news leak and somebody comes at it. And you and you know what? It didn't take one good because it was one. And then what happened with Ellen was the floodgates just opened. Mm-hmm. It was like one person was like, oh, she's kind of not great. And then everybody was like, well, let me tell you. <laughs> and then some of the guests were like, I've been heard that. <laughs> like, you, you right. sneak this? <laughs> you going to sneak in this? Like, you really going to do it like this? Yes, yes. And she, yeah, she, and then I don't know what it is, but she appeared with no makeup looking pale you could tell she'd been crying and she just like she don't do better i'm like girl you got to she tried to quit they wouldn't let her they was like no ma'am <laughs> yes. we didn't sign you into one of these mgm contracts you will die here well folks were trying to get a cancel <laughs> like the show canceled and yeah, whatever network she's on, she literally tried to quit. And they was like, Mm-mm, if you would turn the page for <laughs> Okay, you see that little writing right there? Okay. <laughs> but yeah, so she hit up all, like we said, all the um, all the um, news outlets. Uh, Good Morning America, the Ellen DeGeneres store, uh, show, <laughs> MTV's TRL. Yeah, she was scheduled to Saturday Night Live, but she had to cancel it. We could have had a 2004 Saturday Night Live appearance, but apparently she got sick, she got the flu, and she had to cancel. And cool thing about it, Janet even taught Larry King. Is that a cool thing? Because I was going to count that as one of my cringiest moments of 2008. Come on now, you Larry King, you learning how to do a little couple of moves. He old. Is he still alive? He old. <laughs> but I mean, you got to learn how to feed back. Oh, it was uh, <laughs> He had a young wife. <laughs> what? Come on now. We talking about feedback. Oh, it was painful. That was painful for me. That was a decent enough interview. Decent, I say. But I felt like all of the interviews with Larry King were a little cringy. Yeah. yeah. But when she got up teach that paper doll how to dance. Hey. You know, Larry, by around this time, Larry was getting ready to wrap it up anyway. So <laughs> you only live once. Mm. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I was upset with that. Um, how did do this song? You said you're questioning why it didn't do better. Right. Because I mean, she got good reviews. Uh, for instance, Chuck Taylor Billboard declared it as a bona fide smash, equipped with the goods for a meaningful turn to pop. Um, he also noted that the song featured a gracious dance groove, or more so, supplies a single on hook and distinctive melody. Listening, liking it to a funked up. All for you. And you know I like all for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I hadn't thought of it in that way. But yeah, it was definitely of that vein, which is was like it was like boppable, but it had an edge. Mm-hmm. I mean, I- I'll even give you one more uh review. Bender, the magazine, which I'm not for sure if that magazine's still around. It called it her most distinctive track in years. And it is a distinct track. So, like I said, why I don't love feedback. <laughs> It was very curious, too, because like around this time, when did, why did I get married? I feel like it came out either 2000, late 2007, early 2008. Uh-huh. And so I feel like she was already like out there, mm-hmm. right? Like she was already, it wasn't like people had to be like, oh, Janet's back. Like she was for the first time in a very long time. We had been seeing mm-hmm. her, even though she hadn't been putting out. Music. Right. So it's just, it's, it is curious to me that it just didn't, it kind of just fizzled. Yeah. And I don't know if it's because of like, was it because of us? Like, look, were the 
were the regular fans, like the steady fan base, like, did we not show up or was she not able to draw new people? But I feel like that can't be true because I know so many people, like, I have a friend who stunned me when she told me that feedback is her favorite Janet Jackson song. I was like, how, Sway? But, like, (laughs) I know that there are people who literally came to her during this era and knew nothing else about her, but they fell in love with her at this time. So it's just, it's crazy to me. Like, she was, you know, that Tyler Perry movie went to number one at the box office. So she was in households where people knew who she was. And it was like four, like in 2004, you could say like when 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 um she released that album, it kind of made sense that it didn't do so well because, you know, basically they tried to hide Janet Jackson. It was like put baby in the closet and tucked her away. But like she was out there and people were able to see her in this other avenue on the big screen. And she's doing promotions for that and red carpet and she has the album that she could talk about as well. So you would think that like the stars would align. And I just want to give a little backstory why I'm saying it fizzled is because when Feedback debuted on the Billboard Hot 100, it was at 84, which I can understand because of course the song was leaked. Mm -hmm. Now, several weeks later, it rose to peak at number 19. True enough, it's her 29th top 20 hit on the charts and her first top 20 hit since 2001, Someone to Call My Lover, which is fine. Um, It did reach number one on the Hot Dance Club play, number two on the Hot Single Sales, and number three on Hot Airplay, number seven on Hot Digital Songs, number 23 on Pop 100. So as much as she promoted this, somewhere there was a disconnect. And I hate to be the person that blames something, but I do blame Island Def Jam, and I just want you to hear me out. Okay, I'm going to hear you out. Although, I got to say this. I want to hear you out. But, like, you just took me through, like, the charts, mm-hmm. and y'all had me thinking, you know, this is justice for feedback, and you've been talking about how this song been done wrong since, I don't know, we about 12. <laughs> and now I'm hearing you. <laughs> and I'm like, it didn't do that bad. Yeah, but it, it should have been a little bit more... I felt like this was a top 10 hit. Okay. Well, tell me what Island Def Jam did wrong. Okay. So, Janet coming from Virgin Record to Island Def Jam. There's a little, it's a little bit of difference. With Virgin Record pop, you know what I'm saying? Even the uh, guy who founded Virgin Records, when you see him, you think pop, superstar, throw money at it, let's go. Island Def Jam is a little bit different because you're combining Def Jam Records, which was home, which is home to like LL Cool J, Beastie Boys. And even at one point had part ownership with uh, Rockefeller, you know, all these hip hop stars. Island Records was more R&B. You know, I think Drew Hill was signed to him at one point and they combined them together. Okay, so Janet, I'm not saying that she followed Jermaine to this label, but she decided to take her talents elsewhere to this label. And I think at this point, they didn't know how to treat a pop star. And with Janet, you got to rally behind her a little bit more. I felt like once they dropped feedback and realized, oh, it's a top 20 hit, I think they felt like, okay, let it do what it do. When you don't, you can't treat her like a rap star. She's a pop star. So you have to keep pumping and pushing money and, and, and more exposure to make sure she stays charting. And I just think they just just treated her um, treated her project like that and I think that's why it fizzled the way it did I mean the next single that came out I mean by the time it came out we were just like oh Janet got another another video <laughs> that's just my theory and I might be wrong but I just felt like they didn't know how how pop sales and pop marketing works because Janet yeah is is pop yeah for pop albums there used to you have to pump a lot of money into the promo, but the whole idea is that you're going to get it back, like, you know, tours and merchandising and sales and all of that. But yeah, when you compete at that level, at the level Janet Jackson was competing, you got to be prepared to spend. So I would agree with you there. Um, I appreciate that you were like, I'm not going to say she followed Jermaine Dupree here. Yes, she did. <laughs> That's the only reason she was over there. <laughs> There wasn't no reason to be over there. That was not the best app label for a pop star. Mm-mm. So there was no reason to be over there. <laughs> 
Well, you know, we in love now. We in love. But yeah. then, but then, uh, I'm looking at him. I would take his position of, yo, why my girl ain't getting, getting no more budget? You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> come on now, just Janet. You gotta take pride in the fact that number one, you you've landed Janet. Number two, the material on this one were was good. I mean, I like several tracks off of it, and I just felt I do too. And I think I think that none of my favorites were singles. Right. And so it made me think that the album was bad. But years later, because you know, I bought it. And I probably listened to it maybe once or twice. And then I just put that joint away. And years later, I was like, it's some real gems on here. Mm-hmm. Can't be good. It's still... That's a good song. That's a good song. But we, nobody really knows about it because unless you bought the CD or streamed it or something. Well, <sighs> what do you think? Do you think that... Um, what's your theory? Why? Why? No, I think you're right on. I think I, I hadn't really thought a lot about it, especially since I haven't really truly been in y'all camp. Like you have definitely moved me. Mm-hmm. And I definitely feel a lot different about this song than I did previously. Mm-hmm. Like I said, as time goes on, it just grows on me and grows on me. And I feel like I like this song in 20 years, even more than I like it today. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like I feel like this song could have done better. I, but I do too. I just got to go back to, I think when their promo plan blew up, they never recovered like yeah. once the song leaked they did not they could not punt and make a new plan for the next you know the next set of downs they couldn't do it feel like that was a lot to do with it is it, they weren't really ready but you know i'm not gonna let you just totally escape because even though it was island def jam la reed had pretty much kept now he kept them poor but la reed had kept tlc at the top of the charts for a long time mm-hmm. and so he knew how to play in that space because you know they straddled the line of hip-hop r&b pop all yes. of that he knew how to play in that space mm-hmm. and so i felt like i remember like even like the announcements just seemed whack and like I remember thinking he was just treating her like just another artist. Like he just had like gone to a talent show and signed some person, not not a person, not a person who had been the highest paid recording artist, you know, two times over. Right. Like that, I didn't feel like that was the deference with which they were treating her, especially for a first album on the label. So I just felt like they it wasn't so much of they didn't know what to do, I, but for whatever reason they chose they chose not to do it. Like I just. I never felt like they went out and got like LeBron from Miami mm-hmm. and they acted like they got Rasheed Wallace. <laughs> they acted like they got the sixth man of the year or something, right? Like, <laughs> right. Give us the Williams. Yeah, that's just how I felt. Like they really, she was just another person. Whereas on every other label she had been on, like the label lived and died by her. She kept A&M. Yeah, yeah. Afloat. And then when she went to Virgin, like the label lived and died by her. Mm-hmm. And then when she got to Island, that, that just wasn't the case. Now I'm just really mad at them. I don't know if I'm going to, well, I can't say that because they put out good music at, uh, at Def Jam. <laughs> I just hate that. Want <laughs> I take your panties? Yeah, I'm going to have to keep my panties, but I'm going to spend a couple more. Now, but I just hate that it happened on this project. To be honest, like, I, I know I mentioned this earlier, like, this is like her first whole project without Jimmy and Terry. You can kind of tell something was missing. I ain't going to say Dark Child didn't do a good job because he did a good job. Like, I think he's underrated as a producer. I think he's fantastic. But I think I just felt like somebody should have sprinkled a little bit of Jimmy and yeah. Terry. And they, they may have been busy on other projects or maybe they didn't want to, didn't have time or whatever. They will never really fully never know. know. Like I'm in the camp of like when she got to Island, it was like, yo, we need a new sound. Everybody's trending hip hop. We got to get you some new producers. We got to do this. And she should have just told them I did hip hop in 97. Y'all can do what y'all want to do. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to do me. Yeah, That's how that should have went. Because as I'm looking at this album, it's like not cohesive. And that's my one complaint about it. And I think that's why I never really got into it. Because I'm looking at the tracks and I'm just like, mm-hmm. no, this is not this is not the best. I feel like this whole album, like they were just searching for like what's going to be the sound. And I think they probably were planning. So like we're going to pull it together on the next one. Mm-hmm. And the next one never happened. Like, let's just put all of this stuff out there. Let's try these different producers. Let's do all of these things and see what really works and what really resonates. And then, you know, the next album will know what we're like what our new sound is and it it just feel like a person looking for the remote control in the dark (laughs) trying to plug that cell phone up (laughs) in that plug yeah you just feeling all around (laughs) 
So maybe, you know, I always just felt like this was what could have been, you know what I'm saying? Sales wise, you know, this could have been your typical Janet project or whatever. But I just felt like that move to to Island Def Jam kind of made kind of made us go is janet falling off i think this was the first time i was like maybe janet yeah this might be this mm-hmm. might be the cliff yeah because and I, I hate to compare it but like when unbreakable released it was like janet finna you know drop something you know she was like i'm keep the conversation going i've been listening you know throwing out those little messages and i was like okay but i was still like i don't know janet because you know it's 2015 I don't know what you've been cooking in the lab, but when No Sleep came and that Jimmy and Terry, the shizzle my nizzle, as Snoop would say, and then they added a touch of J. Cole, I was like, this how you come back out, Janet. So <laughs> I guess it's time to wrap it up. <laughs> I don't have any closing thoughts on feedback. I think I gave you all yeah, of my thoughts. They, they were interesting thoughts. <laughs> anyway, I'm just glad feedback has finally made it into your rotation of tape. It has. I don't know if it made it to the rotation. That might be a little strong. Okay, I'm but too much. When it comes on, you bobby it. I'm jamming out. I'm not skip. Yeah, I don't skip it. I don't. I don't seek it out, but I don't skip it. Well. <laughs> That is it for us for now. If you need more Dana Jackson, which we know you need more Dana Jackson, you can subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you're already a subscriber, please tell a Dana Jackson fan about us and leave us a rate and a review whenever you're listening. Your comments and ratings help other people find us, especially on iTunes. If you're not already, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Janet Jackson Pod. If you are following, thank you for every like and every single retweet, especially on episode releases. Those are simple things you can do, and they go a long way to help us reach new Janet Jackson fans. Our intro and outro music, Good For You, is provided by THBD and is licensed under the Creative Commons 3.0 license. Thanks for listening to Janet Today, Janet Tomorrow, Janet Forever.